Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the Consumer's Law Journal on ALR PRA Law Talk Radio. Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, 2010, and I'm your host, Nick Augustine. The show is produced by ALR PRA Incorporated, a national law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We help manage our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Today's guest is credit damage expert George Finder. George is known nationwide for reviewing credit damage events and reporting and testifying on damage to litigants' credit reputation. George's website is www.creditdamageexpert.com. As well, there is a video on YouTube and other social media promotion of uh, Credit Damage Expert uh, and his uh, resources available to help those uh, in credit damage events. We wanted to let you know also that uh, credit reputation is a calculable, calculable asset, and often in litigation, damage to credit reputation is overlooked. George Finder can put a dollar amount on the loss to one's credit reputation. Proof, to damage, proof of damage to the credit uh, is something that can dramatically increase the plaintiff's recovery. The title of today's show is You Think You Have a Credit Damages Claim. Now, this is the first of what will be a recurring show on credit damage education for consumers and listeners of the show. I will ask George to offer his best answer to some pre-selected questions from our listening audience. Before we begin today, we want to remind you that the Consumer's Law Journal airs every Tuesday and the Lawyer's Toolbox airs Thursday afternoons. Both Law Talk Radio shows air at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 1 p.m. Pacific. The shows are one hour in length and feature updates in current law, as well as expert practice management tips from large global law firms to Main Street solo practitioners. Every Tuesday, our program provides commentary from leading authorities on legal issues in the news. On Thursdays, we'll talk about information and legal issue spotting and encouraging client referrals. We do have a great show for you today, and we invite caller questions either by email to info, I-N-F-O, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com, or by calling in to area code 917-889-9732 and pressing option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number, again, is area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. Also, we want to uh, let you know that we do have a general disclaimer that this is general information program, a uh, show of general information, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may vary based on the specific facts of your credit damage situation. You are encouraged to privately consult a professional and should be advised that the laws may vary from state to state as they could apply to your situation. All callers do remain confidential, and all rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALR PRA Incorporated. George, are you there? Yeah. We have we have a caller calling in here. I believe this is our guest. George, are you there? Well, while we wait for our credit damage expert, um, we could take this time to uh, talk a little bit more about our two new shows that we have recently launched. Uh, again, the Consumer's Law Journal is a show that will be airing on Tuesdays at 3 o'clock, and the Consumer's Law Journal is essentially designed to bring information to our consumers so that 
consumers are generally uh, better clients of their law firms and attorneys and where sharing information about different practice areas is beneficial so that people can identify when they have a legal cause of action or they think they have a cause of action for which they should consult an attorney. So an example of several of the shows that we will be having on the Consumer's Law Journal may involve things such as uh, credit damages with our credit damage series with George Finder. We may also have uh, guests talking about class action litigation and when you may have a class action suit. Uh, other topics of interest to the general public include bankruptcy, estate planning, family law, general civil litigation, and a few others, um, even medical malpractice is a show that we're working on. So again, our Tuesday show is really designed for those who want to listen to different attorneys, give advice on different practice areas, uh, sort of you know, question and answer, uh, ask the attorney. Again, none of these shows constitute legal advice, and you are advised to consult an attorney uh, in your state and uh, get advice uh, directly from them. This show, again, is a, a just information show for entertainment purposes. And our Thursday show, for those of you who are uh, used to the program, that is a continuation of what we had launched in January. It's now called the Lawyer's Toolbox, and we'll be using that show for issue spotting um, between attorneys. So when one attorney has a practice area that they are uh, explaining, they are, in a sense, uh, educating the other attorneys out there um, of the niche of their practice area and what they do, uh, ideally for the opportunity to generate client referrals and uh, share information so that if one attorney gets a call on a case that is not something in their practice area, they can make a proper referral. Uh, other things we're going to have on that show, the Lawyer's Toolbox on Thursdays, are going to involve um, generally general information and advice and practice management tips uh, from those out there who work in the legal profession and work with attorneys in helping out the businesses better and um, just general practice management information. So we're still waiting for George Finder. I'm going to reach out to him right now and find out where he is. In the meantime, there are – oh, I got an email here. Trying to – all right, we're still trying to reach George Finder here. Hey George, I've got uh I've got the call in number. You've got it? George, George, hi. I, I'm just I'm we're we're on. I just need you to call in uh to the nine one seven eight eight nine nine seven three two. Yep. Eight eight nine nine seven three two. And option one. Thank you. All right. We appreciate your patience with some technical difficulties there. Um, we also want to let people know that, again, this is going to be a recurring series on credit damage expert with questions and answers. The format of this uh, question and answer series uh, essentially is we are reaching out to people and finding out what people are interested in knowing regarding credit damage issues and events, and we are reading the questions uh, on air to George Finder, uh, who is our uh, resident credit damage expert. Here he is on the switchboard. I'll patch him in. George, you're live. Are you there? 
I'm here. Hello, everyone. All right. All right. We got. We just. Uh, I gave. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I gave all the folks at home uh, a rundown on how we're doing the show, and that we're going to be answering people's general questions uh, regarding credit damage events um, and some other collateral credit uh, damage issues, um, and that is a neutral show and that you are an unbiased party and that the show does not constitute uh, any legal or other advice, and we suggest that people necessarily uh, contact an independent professional. We also gave them uh, your website and some information on how to uh, get a hold of you. So how are you doing today, George? Hey, I'm having a lot of fun. All right, good. Well, we've done some of these shows before, and we've touched on some of the events um, on the shows that were directed more towards our attorney audience, and I'm excited now that we have the opportunity to talk to the general public and uh, see if we can answer some general questions people have, and we'll continue doing this show uh, once a month on the first Tuesday, um, so long as George agrees to do the show. Does that sound good for you, George? Sounds terrific. All right, all right. Um, I sent uh, some of the questions to George ahead of time just so that he uh, has the opportunity. George, did you have a chance to look at some of those questions? I'm uh, reading them as you describe what a wonderful guy I am. All right, all right. Yeah, put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, again, some, our questions come from uh, general callers and people who have listened to the show before. Um, and we reached out to some folks and asked some of their general questions. And these are the questions uh, provided that we came up with. So um, some of them might be uh, on topics that uh, are not appropriate for the, this show. And again, one of our, our main topics is credit damage events um, and what consumers can learn about credit damage events leading to the point where they would call their attorney and uh, you know, indicate that in their uh, current situation that there is a credit damage element to their claim. Um, so again, uh, many people have questions about credit repair. Um, you know, George, what do you want to tell to the listening audience as far as a, you know, sort of a breakdown between whether we're going to talk more about the credit damage litigation or people's general questions about credit damage repair? Because a lot of people seem to be looking for help with their credit ratings. Well, first of all, um, while I am an expert on credit report, I really don't want to get into the topic of credit repair, okay? Um, there are, we can discuss that in another show if we agree on that. What I'd really like to do today is see if I can answer some of these questions. You sent me about 10 questions. Um, excuse me, you sent me 17 questions. 20, 23, they're actually, we'll, we'll get, you know, and we'll go from, we'll go through as many of these as we can get through today, and then we'll sure. continue on next show. So. Um, any any other advice you'd like to uh, give to our callers as far as how this show will operate and uh, any information you'd like to share with them? Yes. The first thing I'd like to say is, um, as a person who has been extended credit, there's a responsibility that goes with that. And part of that responsibility is to yourself. Uh, when credit is granted to you, it was because you entered or, or submitted an application for credit that was approved based on information that was provided through the credit bureaus. Your credit report is your credit reputation in print. So you want to do everything you can to want to make sure that it's as positive as possible, as accurate as possible, and you believe it or not, you are in control of your credit report 
barring mistakes by the bureaus or by a credit extender. So I'm going to go, and, and before I move on to the next uh, uh, point, I want to say it's very important to keep receipts and to keep for at least one year, and the law says, frankly, five years, but it's a real good idea to keep uh, deposit receipts, uh, payment receipts, and uh, monthly statements from your credit card or any other uh, company you have a loan with or credit account with because those are going to be your point of reference to confirm that something was or wasn't done. And since we're in a society of numbers, if you don't have the numbers, which includes the date and the transaction number, it's very, very difficult to get anything corrected. So that's my first piece of advice is keep your receipts, keep your monthly statements, put them in a safe place, don't let the dog eat them or the, your children or grandchildren crayon on them. Keep them as clean as you can for at least five years. Uh, if that seems a little long to you, uh, remember that your credit report information goes back seven years. So you want to be in control. You want to have as much information and what I will call weaponry uh, to fight for your own rights. Your documents are the cornerstone of that. Um, and now I'd like to switch to question number one, okay? And, I, and I'm going to read the, the question, or do you want to read it, Nick? I'll, I'll read the question. Um, and what we can do then is we're going through the list. Um, if you want to select the questions that we're going to go with, because some of them may not be on topic, um, we'll start with question number one. The question number one is, I have medical bills from a chiropractic uh, a chiropractic professional uh, related to my car accident, and I can't afford to pay those bills right now until my case settles. Uh, the questioner uh, also says, I want to stay on my current other bills, uh, such as I believe there was the, the mortgage and the car payment the individual uh, spoke of. And um, she also indicated that she's not going to be able to pay the chiropractor bills until the case settles, doesn't want her other bills to slide, and she's worried about her credit because she's got an adjustable rate mortgage right now and wants to finance. So what does she do about these uh, chiropractic bills? Um, okay, what, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Maya, the first thing is it's a good thing that she's recognized what her limitations are financially. That's a very big plus from this caller. Um, if you're going to apply for credit, the, and it almost doesn't make any difference what kind of credit it is, your mortgage, assuming you have a mortgage, your mortgage payment record is very, very important in your acceptability to a new lender or, or someone you're applying to for credit. So my first advice, and this is all personal advice, it's not legal advice, I would protect my payment record on my mortgage. Uh, second, if she's got a car payment, as you mentioned, uh, I would keep that as current as possible because if you don't pay it, they will take it away. The same thing is true with your mortgage. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to get repossessed to be damaging if you don't make the payment. So my advice is anything that's secured should have priority over anything that's not secured. And your medical bills... While they are important to be paid, um, I'm surprised that uh, she has not contacted the chiropractor's office and explained the situation to them. Uh, usually a chiropractor will be understanding. 
Uh, many chiropractors work on lean against the case. Uh, I'm assuming, of course, that she has a claim number or a case number re related to this accident and the chiropractic service. <clears throat> and very often, a chiropractor, once you have a claim number or a case number, will back off. Uh, they are allowed to put a late payment in your credit report, um, whatever number of payments you're late, but one of the, if she has an attorney, the attorney can contact the insurance company, and they have a form which invites or encourages the insurance company to pay up faster uh, than otherwise to prevent damage to her credit reputation. If she decides, I'm assuming it's a she, by the way, um, yeah. if she decides to uh, hire an attorney or already has an attorney, and if there are unpaid bills that are causing damage to her uh, credit reputation, directly connectable to the car accident, your attorney should consider credit reputation damage or loss of credit reputation as a compensable, that means you can get paid, uh, damage in this matter. Uh, it's typical for the attorney to prepare what they call a damage demand, and that damage demand will include a repair of the car, any medical bills uh, already uh, incurred and predicted, and uh, any other property that may have been damaged. Now, if the insurance company doesn't pay promptly for almost any reason, and as a result of the car accident, she winds up with negative information, like late payments or worse, on the credit report, one of the unique services that can, that I offer and that can be included in a damage demand is a credit damage demand. Um, and basically what happens is the uh, information is sent to a independent uh, credit evaluator. The information, and we go back to monthly statements again, uh, and the unpaid bills are itemized. We uh, confirm that these uh, that there are late payments after the car accident uh, from uh, creditors or service providers uh, related to the accident, and that the amount um, is basically part of the car accident, either directly or indirectly. And it, it, but it does have to be connected. And if that amount can be measured, if the difference between what she could have borrowed before the accident and what she's now able to borrow because of unpaid bills, because of delay in case settlement, well, that measured damage, because it's measured, can be compensated for, can be paid for. And that's why I go back to keep all your stubs, keep all your monthly statements. Uh, some of this will be confirmed in the credit report. Nothing beats personal documentation. Okay? Very good. Um, let's take a call. We have a caller from, uh, call from San Antonio, it looks like. 
Okay. Bring caller in here. Call muted. All right. Caller from San Antonio. Do you have a question for George Finder? No. I'm sorry? Don't have any questions. Oh, okay. If you're just listening to the show, you can listen to the link live on ALRPRA.com. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay. Okay. You want to go uh, on to question two? Sure. Let's take our – let's pause quick for our first sponsor break. Uh, We wanted to let people know that who are just tuning in, and by the way, all you have to do to tune in and listen is click the link at ALRPRA.com to listen. We want to let people know that they are listening to the Consumer's Law Journal on ALRPRA Law Talk Radio, where we bring you experts and attorneys who share tips, trends, and latest updates that matter to your knowledge of the law and how you can best proceed with your uh, legal claims, and uh, also to ask our experts your questions. Um, For our first sponsor, we want to thank the uh, Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity, we're talking about intellectual property here, we want to tell you that the Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to intellectual property law firms serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. By clicking the Like button on the firm's business page, you'll be receiving periodic blog updates and recent developments in the rapidly changing field of intellectual property law. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, Back now to the Consumer's Law Journal. We encourage our callers to call in with any questions by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the queue. Again, 917-889-9732. Now back to George. Question number two. Ready? Question number two is, how much will filing bankruptcy damage my credit score? Well, that's a really interesting question. And there is no single answer. And the reason there is no single answer is there are at least three and probably five credit scores for each person that has a credit score. That's number one. Generally, I would say the bureaus, and a lot of this depends on the amount of credit that you have and how good or bad your credit was prior to the bankruptcy. Um, you're looking at somewhere between 200 and 300 points typically related to a bankruptcy uh, if your credit score was between 700 and 800 to start with, perhaps even 650 and 800 to start with. If your credit score was under, let's say, 650, um, the two or 300 points is going to take you out of a lendable, uh, easily uh, currently required for for federally involved loans. Uh, There are what I call storefront lenders like household banks or beneficial finance, those sorts of companies that will uh, lend to you anyway. Uh, They're called signature lenders as well. But the, the bankruptcy has to be considered in context. Why did you file bankruptcy? Is it because the ARM was out of control? Is it because of medical reasons? Uh, those are considered in the application uh, processing or review. So while the credit scoring company, the 
primary one of which is the Fair Isaac's company or FICO, uh, would have you believe that if your score is too low, you can't get a loan, period. Uh, the reality is you can get a loan. It's just going to cost a heck of a lot more. Uh, and all of those numbers are subject to the details of each individual situation. So it's hard for me to, or anybody, to uh, give you hypothetical numbers that will be meaningful to an individual person. So again, filing bankruptcy will probably affect a credit score by between 200 and 300 points. Okay? Okay. Next question. What's uh, the, the next question that I see is, does having multiple credit cards damage your credit score? And the answer is absolutely not. If anything, it helps your credit score because it shows that you've been recognized as a creditworthy individual by more than one lender. Uh, that's positive. So having, positive, having several cards, uh, credit cards, is a positive. Now, if you had 200 cards, that would make most lenders concerned. Um, if the typical American household has somewhere between 8 and 11 credit cards for the members of the household. So that would be a gasoline card, an apartment store card, and a uh, Visa or a MasterCard or a Discover or any of those in any combination. But it's typical for between 8 and 11 cards to be within and out within a household. What really does affect your credit score is how you pay for them. Um, you pay on time, then it's wonderful news. If you don't pay on time, then it's not good news. But again, having multiple credit cards is a positive within reason again. Here's another question that stems off that. I've heard this one um, uh, several times. The door, what about door, the dormancy, having a credit card and not using it? Um, is it true that you should be using it at least once a month? Is that still true? Probably about once a month, but I would say frequently. Uh, the, the credit card situation is credit card companies are in business to make money, just like any business. And while they uh, – and in a sense, credit cards are looked upon as banks. And if they have uh, credit available to people who are not using it, it does not look good for them. Also, if you have unused credit cards, uh, and depending on the amount, and depending on the other circumstances, there are quite a few lenders who will consider that a time bomb or a landmine waiting to go off. Because if you're not using it, why do you have it? Is it going to be your emergency fallback if you lose your job, as many credit cards are? Uh, and if that's the case, your lender doesn't want to be your partner. He wants to be your lender. If, if you're not going to use the card, don't keep it. Simple enough. Next question is uh, number four. Foreclosure versus bankruptcy. What's the effect on credit if someone has a foreclosure um, that goes well, through versus well, again, we have to look at the bigger picture. Uh, what is the reason for the foreclosure? Is it uh, an adjustable rate mortgage? Is it a medically involved a bankruptcy? Were you an um, irresponsible credit user? Uh, is that why you had to file bankruptcy? Uh, did a, the number one reason for uh, 
bankruptcy almost forever, or I'd say at least for the last 20 years, has been medical bills. People run up medical bills, they can't pay them, they file bankruptcy. Um, it's hard to resist getting medical care when you need it. It's also hard to pay bills that you don't have the money for. That's why they have the bankruptcy law, uh, or escape hatch, if you will. Uh, a foreclosure, the same question is why are you in foreclosure? Uh, were you one of the toxic loan, uh, adjustable rate mortgage um, uh, victim? And I use the word victim on purpose. Uh, there, with the new credit laws and new uh, uh, attitude, which does not change the, the wording of the law, but rather how it applied to uh, loan applications, uh, it used to be that one could get a stated income loan. One cannot do that anymore. There's no such animal anymore. So if one is uh, a victim of, uh, again, toxic loans, ARM loans, uh, that, if it's made clear in the application as to what happened, uh, it may have a minimal effect on the ability to borrow. If you can show that all of your bills other than your mortgage were maintained to the longest possible period, uh, showing that you were a responsible party, uh, when mortgage lenders are not going to be happy that that's what you did, but some of them are going to understand it. The effect on the credit, of course, is that whatever the motivation, whatever the causation, the very fact that you had either of these or both of these in your credit report uh, is going to cost you money. Uh, your rates are going to go up if you can get credit at all uh, because whether you are a victim of a, a ARM or a toxic loan or medical bills, um, your life got out of control. And what typically happens after a bankruptcy or uh, increasingly in a foreclosure is the lending community wants to see that you have learned not to have that happen to you again. And typically in a bankruptcy, they will want a minimum of one year and as many as three years, depending on the lender, to have you prove that you learned your financial lesson before th that particular lender will either accept your application or approve your application. And there are well over a 1,000 lenders in the United States. So you have at least 300 uh, opinions as to how long what we call the recovery period or the lesson learned period is uh, considered to be required. Uh, I have to tell you that I'm aware of uh, people who've been in foreclosure who have not made a mortgage payment for as many as two years, by the way, uh, went into foreclosure and within a month were able to buy a new property. Um, same thing with a bankruptcy. They, uh, I know of individuals who stated their case, explained what happened, and yes, they had to pay a little more, but they were able to get a loan. So the effect on the credit is it increases the cost. Okay. And it depends on the, on the detail. My next question, uh, question number five, comes from a caller who wants to know what their rights are 
regarding false information appearing on their credit report. Well, what do you mean by rights? The, the Fair Credit Reporting Act gives you the right to know what's being reported in your credit report. The FCRA also gives the individual the right to dispute false information in a credit report. And, and I need to reword that. It gives the, the person who feels that the information is inaccurate or false the right to dispute the information to make it more accurate. And all three credit bureaus have electronic uh, procedures for that purpose. Um, the consumer has the right to an accurate, true credit report that is that contains only information about that individual. And if there is false information, the individual will have to go to extremes, irrefutable foundation for the claim of false information uh, to get whatever the source of the false information is to change it or to have the credit bureau change it, and the second is much, much harder. Uh, let's say that the false information was provided or is currently reported by a company that no longer exists. That ha that's happening quite a bit. Um, you have the right to dispute it, but who are you going to go to? The company's no longer there. What so, uh, that's a good topic for another show. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. That answers that question. My next question um, is, the question is, my neighbor had a loan modification. Apparently, this is one of the, the my neighbor questions. Um, right. My neighbor had a loan modification go awry. They were going to be foreclosed upon, and the loan modification company went out of business shortly after they had already given them some money. Nobody answers the phones. There's apparently no one there. Um, so My first answer is, is it a law firm? Was the loan modification company involved with the lawyer? Because if it was not involved with the lawyer, then they're basically out of luck. If it's their, And the only type of professional who can legally perform a loan modification is a lawyer. That's according to the American Bar Association. So that would be the first thing to find out. Was there a lawyer involved? And look on the documents that were provided to them. Uh, if there is, I'd go to the Bar Association and find out what they can do for you. Uh, if there isn't, then I would go to the, assuming that they have to file a DBA or a, a business license in the city that they were operating, uh, get the information on the individual and track them down. Uh, they're not going to volunteer to refund the money. Uh, they're going to disappear as much as they can. So that is what the situation is. Uh, you have to find out if there's somebody to go after, and if there is, go after them. If there isn't anybody to go after, well, they learned a lesson. Don't pay money to people who can't do what they promised you to do. Very good. Good enough. Let's pause, George, quickly for uh, station identification and uh, our next sponsor. Again, yeah. to those who are tuning in, you are listening to the Consumers, uh, the Consumers Law Journal on 
ALR, PRA Law Talk Radio. I'm still getting used to the Consumer Law Journal name. I like it. Um, sure. Getting used to it, though. <laughs> um, our second sponsor is Jim, is Jim Thompson. Uh, Jim Thompson has the Get Clients Now program. Jim will take you through the crucial steps to increase your law firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is actually going to be a recurring guest as well on the Lawyer's Toolbox show, that's our Thursday show, regarding attorney marketing. To learn more about Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group, please visit MidwestConsultants.net and also check out his testimonials on Facebook by searching Get Clients Now. ALRPRA strongly endorses the Get Clients Now program and understands the personal accountability component of this course. You can, you can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by visiting MidwestConsultants.net. So, back now to credit damage expert George Finder answering our uh, caller and listener's questions. We also want to remind people that the call-in number is area code 917-889-9732. Please press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. And let's now go back to George for our next question when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Next question, number 7. I ordered a credit report online. And my score is different on each report. Why is this? Well, I'm going to answer the question, and then I'm going to add some additional information. The reason that the credit score is different is because each company has a different profile of what they consider to be a most desirable lend, uh, borrower. For instance, some, uh, and these are all hypothetical, some lenders uh, don't want to be first in the granting of credit. Others want there to be a minimum five years' experience with credit usage. Others want you to be married. Others want you to be uh, to have children. Um, there are approximately nobody really knows the exact number, but there are approximately 125 factors that go into making up a credit score. Now, the number one influence for a credit score uh, calculation is how you pay your bills. Um, generally, it's considered that 35% of your credit score relates to or is based on how you pay your bills. If, uh, and all three bureaus do not always have the same information. So that would be another factor that could change the number. The, uh, and so that's the most basic reason why the scores are different. The other, another basic reason is that not everyone who gets a credit score from the three bureaus is using the same edition of the credit scoring profile that determines the ultimate number. Uh, there are now approximately 10 different updates of the credit scoring software. And one of the changes, I'll just give you one of the early changes as an example, it used to be that if one went to buy a car or to shop for a loan, let's call it a mortgage loan, um, it used to be that the, the profile or the, the software of the uh, company would count each inquiry 
for each company that was contacted as a separate inquiry, uh, and that could substantially reduce the score because the assumption in that model was that the consumer would jump at the first offer that was made to them as opposed to shopping for the best deal. And when, uh, particularly in California, the California Mortgage Bankers Association convinced the Fair Isaacs company that we're not all grateful for any credit we can get. Some of us are able to be picky about what we accept and we look for the best deal. The, the, the way the score was calculated was changed so that any um, inquiries for a particular kind of credit within a 30-day period, it started at two weeks and then they expanded it to 30 days. If you if the if you went to a car dealer and they stopped at a 30 uh, loan sources, uh, in the old days each one of those would count against you. In the first revision, for the first two weeks of looking for the car, all those inquiries would count as one inquiry, no matter how many there actually were, and then it went to one month. Well, that changed the calculation of the score tremendously, and people that were just in deep uh, abuse through that uh, assumption that we were all grateful to be able to get any credit, uh, had to go back to their lenders and were surprised at how much their score had improved and the difference in the calculation. Uh, and so I hope that answers the question as to why the score is different on each credit report. Uh, and it says on each report, but I'm assuming it's a credit report. The, so that's number one. Number two, the credit score from the credit bureau is quite frankly a meaningless number because the credit bureaus are not in the loan business. They're in the information business. And the credit company, the lender that you're applying to that is pulling your credit report probably has their own proprietary version of a credit score software. That's the only score that matters. So you can have three credit scores from each, one each from each of the bureaus. You can have one from the FICO company, and you can have one from the actual lender or lenders that you're applying to, which is the most important one. The only one that counts, in my opinion, is the one that's actually going to write you a check. So that's another point that I want your the listeners to be aware of. And the third point is the credit report, report that your listener uh, got online is not really a credit report. How about that? A credit report that is got on, uh, obtained online by a consumer to, for whatever their purpose is, is technically referred to as a consumer disclosure report. And what that means is we're going to tell the consumer what we've got. And the reality is that they don't tell you what they've got. They tell you part of what they've got. Uh, the credit report online, the consumer disclosure report, is not accepted by any lender that I've ever spoken with as a basis uh, uh, to be included in a loan application processing uh, procedure. The credit report that they are interested in is called a subscriber or merchant credit report, 
and they know that that's a reliable or the most reliable credit report that is going to be attainable on that individual because they pay the subscription fees to get that information. And the creditor may not get information from all three bureaus depending on a variety of reasons, but the if one is ordering a credit application review for a mortgage, the law says they must get credit reports from all three bureaus. And I should recommend that. They must order credit reports from all three bureaus so that they will have a complete picture of what's being uh, said in their credit report. So getting a credit report online, uh, you're missing as much as half of the information that you should have that a lender would probably get if they ordered the same information on the same individual on the same day. There would be as much as a 44% difference in what the remarks said or what remarks were actually reported. So that's the other heads up that I think your, your listeners should be really sensitive to. You want to get a real accurate credit report, go to a mortgage broker or lender and ask them to pull a report for you. They may charge you for it, but it's the only way that you can get the kind of credit report that is the most useful. Uh, landlords don't get them. Car dealers don't get them. Uh, both of those kinds of businesses uh, do get credit reports, but a tenant report that is provided to a landlord um, is very, very sparse in information or detail. To give you an idea of how far the differences can be, a proper uh, subscriber credit report can cost in the neighborhood of uh, $75 to $200. A landlord, when they order a credit report, can pay as little as $0.75 cents for it. So you can see because of the price difference, they're just not going to get the depth of information. So if you want the best information, the most complete information, the advice I just gave you is what you ought to follow. Okay. All right. Let's take one more question before we pause for our final break. Um, this next question is, how can I get my ex-husband's liabilities off of my credit report? Well, um, the first question that I would ask is, uh, how do you know they're not also your liability? Is the liability to which the woman is referring a joint account? If it's a joint account, they, then they are her responsibilities or liabilities as much as his. Uh, that's what a joint account is all about. Most lenders will have an equal and several responsibilities stated in their contract or agreement with the borrower that if one party isn't able to make the appropriate payments, the other party is fully responsible for those uh, payments or debt. Uh, now, if they're not joint accounts, that's a whole different issue. And even if they are shared accounts, 
there are steps that can be taken to minimize the liability um, to the ex-wife. And let me just jump in here and um, share with you that I believe what she had mentioned was that she had recently been divorced and the court ordered certain payments were attributable to husband, so um, she felt she was no longer on the hook for those, I suppose, so I think that's what was going on. Well, let's address that issue. The court cannot tell the creditor how to operate. The court can tell the two parties to the divorce what they have to do, but the court cannot tell the credit company what it has to do, okay? So the, the agreement between the credit company and the husband and wife is not in any way affected by what the court tells the husband and wife to do. They both sign the contract. They are both responsible for it unless they take other steps to protect or assign liabilities away from the divorce court, maybe as a consequence of the divorce court, but separate from the divorce court. Um, I happen to have a website dedicated to that uh, specific topic. It's called StopCreditDamage.com. And if your listener wants to go there, they'll get a much more complete explanation of what I'm just touching on. All right. Next question is, Actually, well, let's pause uh, for our sponsor break. Our third sponsor break is uh, brought to you by Bridges Court Reporting. We want to let you know that Bridges Court Reporting provides the luxuries that premier law firms need. They extend far beyond the professional courtesies and style that have made Bridges Court Reporting a well-known name nationwide. The Bridges website and software allows you to access all your transcripts and exhibits, uh, as well as make schedule, uh, schedule court reporters from any computer with Internet access. So again, any computer with internet access, you can schedule court reporters, view all of your transcripts and your exhibits. Before long, you'll wonder why you ever used another court reporting agency. Conveniently located across the street from the Daily Center in downtown Chicago, Bridges Court Reporters are ready to serve all your court reporting and transcription needs. And again, Bridges Court Reporters are available nationwide. Please visit BridgesCourtReporting.com for more information and to schedule your next court reporter. Now back to our guest, George Finder. Uh, we are talking about uh, credit damage in credit damage events uh, and issues, questions from our callers. Callers, please be... Um, Please feel free to dial in at any time, area code 917-889-9732. Again, that's 917-889-9732. Please press option 1 to be placed in our caller queue. Again, if you have questions for uh, George Finder, feel free to send those questions to us by email at info, I-N-F-O, at A-L-R-P-R-A dot com, and those questions can be answered um, on, a, on another show. Again, we're going to be bringing you uh, these consumer-based shows uh, every first Tuesday of the month at 3 o'clock Central, which is, again, 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. Um, back to George. George, our next question um, is number nine. The question is, uh, the, uh, more of a statement, the, the agencies have to remove the information if I object and they can't prove that. Isn't that correct? So um, if they find a discrepancy on the report and they object, um, the, the word on the street is that the mark has to be removed if the credit reporting no. agency can't substantiate it. What do you say about that? I say that Pollyanna thinking, that's uh, wishful thinking. 
law says specifically, if you can't prove it, you must remove it, but it doesn't say for how long. So what typically used to happen was credit repair companies would, in, would apply or refer to that uh, statute, and I don't want to practice law, so I'm not going to tell you what it is, um, of, which is summarized in prove it or remove it. Uh, if the if you understand that the cycle of reporting starts a whole new responsibility every 30 to 45 days or even 90 days, then what is removed can be replaced uh, for a variety of reasons that lawyers can hash out. Um, and it's not the agencies that remove it. The credit bureaus have very specifically spent millions of dollars to take the position that they are not responsible for what a credit subscriber reports in their uh, file unless it's disputed and can be, if it's verified by the lender, the credit bureau typically will accept that. And verification is a, uh, procedures is a topic that we could probably spend five shows on. Uh, let's just say, the credit bureaus have a very different uh, definition of what verification is as compared to the perception of the average consumer. Uh, the credit bureaus are in business to make money. Um, a few years ago, I was privy to uh, some information that most people don't get, and that is I found out that in Orange County, California, that the dispute department of uh, one of the credit bureaus received 30,000 dispute forms a month. Wow. Yes. So think about that for a moment. The credit bureaus need to, as efficiently as possible, and yet to be in compliance with the law, uh, respond to dispute. And so that's the reason for the difference in definition. And the bureaus absolutely want to be in compliance with the law, but that doesn't mean that they're going to bend over backwards and incur a lot of expenses that they don't feel they should or are required to incur to be in um, what I'll call total compliance or spiritual compliance, the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. All right. Excuse me. Our next, our, uh, we have time for about one more question. Our last question is, uh, the question, the individual says, I co-signed for a loan with my son whose wife has the car and isn't paying the bill, although she was paying during the marriage. Son got a new job, uh, gave him a work truck. Son said he was paying, okay, basically the son who was paying for the car, now the, now the wife is driving it, now she's the ex-wife. This is the father who co-signed um, on this car, and he's worried about uh, his status as a co-signer. What can he do to prevent, protect his credit in the event, because he knows that this individual who's now driving the automobile is not paying for it. Um, well, you know, likely he's going to be called on the carpet as, you know, put a co as a co-signer. Um, what could he do? Pay the bill. Pay the bill. Redirect. Redirect. Uh, ask for, uh, 
uh, contact the creditor, explain that he is the co-signer. Uh, they will know what the status of the, of the payments are, so he won't have to explain that to them. What he does have to explain to them is his um, obligation and his sense of obligation to keep those bills paid currently and request from the creditor a monthly statement so that he will know whether the bill has been paid or not. And if the bill has not been paid, if he wants to protect his credit, pay the bill. Now, he can argue with his ex-daughter-in-law all he wants, but the creditor doesn't care. The creditor knows that the co-signer accepted the responsibility to see that, that the payments were made. That's what a co-signer does. And uh, if that wasn't explained or, or, or you know, whatever the relationship between the father and the son and the wife and anybody else who was involved, nobody cares. All the creditor knows is, where's my money? And if I don't have my money, I'm putting a negative remark in the credit report, and I will protect the assets that I've secured, which is this truck, okay, or car. And your, the co-signer has the right to take the vehicle away from the ex-wife. And if it were me, I wouldn't be paying for somebody else's car. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Okay. Um, that's, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, George will go through and get some uh, – we have more questions for next time. Our next scheduled show is September 7th. Um, we, again, ask our callers to send us information um, or send us questions, rather, that we can uh, put together um, and ask our credit damage expert, George Finder. George, thanks so much for doing the show today. Sure. Take care. All right. Okay. Um, oh. Thank you also. Go ahead. I was going to suggest that uh, those of your listeners who would like more information can contact me through my website. Uh, I don't know if you've given them that information. I did, but let's have it again. Okay. It's credit damage expert at uh, just creditdamageexpert.com. Okay? All right. Very good. Do you want to provide a Another number or any other way to contact you? Um, no, that's the best way. Okay. Is CreditDamageExpert.com then. Right. And um, uh, that way, um, you know, there are a lot of questions that will be answered on the website, and um, that's what they're there for, to answer your questions. And if there's information or service beyond the basics, then it makes, uh, the contact information will be on the website. All right, very good. Thank you again, George Finder. I'd also like to say thank you to, today to our listeners for tuning in to the Consumer's Law Journal on ALRPRA Law Talk Radio. Thank you also to today's sponsors, the Intellectual Property Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme, Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group, and Debbie Bridges of Bridges Corporation. ALRPRA Incorporated's mission is to educate our listening community on relevant legal issues, law practice management concerns, and other means to help law firm clients be well-informed and help law firms spend more time serving their clients by sharing practice tips and referral sources. ALRPRA's underlying values are transparency, flexibility, and humility. We are a full-service law practice management agency available nationwide when professional quality matters to your firm. Thank you again, and please tune in uh, this coming Thursday, August 5th, when Jim Thompson, who we spoke of earlier, of the Midwest Consulting Group, will uh, launch his first uh, in a series of 
shows talking about the Get Clients Now program and how you can help with uh, marketing and other things that attorneys uh, are looking for help in doing. So, again, thank you for tuning in. This is for ALR PRA Incorporated, and we thank you for your time.